It's Wednesday the 14th of December. Welcome to Afternoon Sports. Shad Wicker here filling in for Tim Gilbert. Joined as always by Shane Lee. How you doing, Shane-o? Shad, I am very well, mate. I was sneaking in a few presents into the garage last night. But I've got Thomas, oh. or Santa got Thomas, a, um, a bas- big basketball ring. So I've snuck that in. Okay. But what, are your, what are your plans for Chrissy, mate? Mate, I'm, uh, I'm doing the orphan's Christmas this year. Staying, uh, okay. not going to see the family this time. I've actually got a mate of mine coming to stay with me from Japan. He's mm-hmm. a comedian. Uh, his name's Waka. And... There's a, we're thinking of doing something for Christmas Day, which is a tradition in Japan, which okay. is getting KFC for Christmas. So apparently in Japan, KFC- Korean fried chicken. Well, they've marketed themselves when they entered Japan as like a Christmas treat over the years, that now Love it's it. like a Christmassy thing in Japan to go and get KFC for Christmas Day. So, Shut up and take my money. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I mean, it'll be it'll be one of those kind of uh, yeah, one of those mums a bit lazy. This is what's for dinner type of uh, Christmas scenarios. I feel, but yeah, that's about it. All I've got. But I don't have mate. I don't have Hall of Fame cricketers playing Boxing Day test matches at my house. All right, <laughs> you know we can't all be living it up like you, mate. I tell you what, there's no other meal in the world that is so good before you eat it and then after you eat that chicken, oh, you go, what, what have I done? Hey, KFC is the one-night stand of a meal. <laughs> it is. That's what it is, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm surprised in a food court. I never want to eat that out in public. I want to be at no. home in the dark. Suck it on them bones. Anyway, uh, today's show we'll be discussing the FIFA World Cup. Huge results, obviously, this morning. Uh, A bit more cricket drama coming. A-League as well, but a big one I can't wait to chat about is Nick Kyrgios versus TA, Tennis Australia. I reckon TA spat the dummy. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on this too, Shano. So let's get into it. In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Afternoon sport. Are you thinking about making a podcast? If so, contact the Afternoon Sport Group. We'll make it easy. With the technical know-how and industry knowledge, we'll get your podcast up and running in no time. Get in touch via our website or email hello at afternoonsport.com. Well, the World Cup, the one slot in the final has now been decided this morning. Argentina beats Croatia 3-0, and it was a messy masterclass. It was. I haven't seen anything this messy since the Christmas party, but I'll tell you what, (laughs) mate, uh, Argentina looked good, didn't they? Um, Messi, will he achieve his dream of winning his first World Cup? Look, he's he's a chance now. I dare say, mate, I think they'll be playing the French. You think Morocco. Yeah, I'm right. But they, they, they just look good. The Argentinians look good, didn't they? They, they won 3 0. Um, I think Avarez scored two. But Messi, yeah, clinical and set up to those two goals as well. He uh, He's in good form at the right time of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, it was the second goal by Alvarez was just messy, classy around the box, yep. just getting around everyone and then putting it through. But Alvarez's first goal is one you should check out on the reel. It was like yeah. the ball was pinballing around, came off the goalkeeper, went back into his chest. It was like it was a pretty spectacular goal for him to score. The second one, which was that flurry of two goals over five minutes um, by Argentina, they're looking really good. Obviously, if France get through, that is the the powerhouse matchup that people would want to see because they are two 
very strong sides that will be taking each other on. But I'm still on this Moroccan magic, mate. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the one interesting stat from the Argentina-Croatia match is that Argentina only had 39% of uh, the possession. Uh, 61% uh, was uh, the Croatians. Now, if you, I think if they give the French that much possession, oh yeah, um, they won't be able to stop them from scoring. There's so much pace in that French side too. So yep. I mean, but we're yep. talking as if the French have already beaten Morocco, and that hasn't no, happened that's true. yet, mate. Okay. Okay. So we'll have to wait and see. Looking at home though, the aftermath of this A League decision to give the grand final to Sydney over the next few years has now hit fever pitch. We've got fans threatening boycotts, and we've now got a member of the APL board that uh, stepping down. Well, it's quite, I, find, I find it quite ironic that Melbourne have pretty much been so clever over the years and they've, they've sort of um, taken all sporting events from uh, Grand Prix right through to AFL Grand Finals, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then Sydney takes one off them, they blow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is – I do get that. I think it's still ridiculous for the A-League. This is like one of the – Poorest decisions. Talk about ruining the momentum of a World Cup. You only get this opportunity every four years to really boost your game yeah. when you yep. are very much the afterthought in Australian sport in terms of domestic competitions. Um, to absolutely cook it this way and the reasoning that they put out is ridiculous. So you've got the Melbourne Victory chairman saying, I don't support the decision, so I'm stepping down from the board. Mm. This coming after the APL says that it was a unanimous decision. And then the current premiers, the winners, the champions of the A-League, Western United, come out and say, we were never consulted and we don't even have a member on the board. So how could you say it was a unanimous decision by all clubs? So they're, they're looking like an absolute basket case right now. And you've got fans now threatening to boycott games this weekend. Do you think you'll see that happen? And do you think this will have any bearing on the decision being overturned or a future decision being made? Oh, I don't think they'll overturn it. I think they're, they're too stubborn to do that. But I think your first point is key is that at a time when like it's an opportunity for soccer's right up there in the top and they're not a, an afterthought and they go and do something as stupid as this, um, it just turns people off. I, I don't think the fans will, will boycott. Um, but I tell you what, if Melbourne, make, if Melbourne are on top of the competition and don't make the fi- and make the final and have to play it in Sydney, they will boycott that one. Well, I tell you what, like Melbourne, you got Western United and possibly one of the Melbourne sides could be the two teams to make it through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no yep. like Western Sydney Wanderers aren't in a good spot. Mariners are okay. Like Sydney FC are okay, but like you could be staring down the barrel of that actually happening the yeah. first year this decision's made, which would be an absolute embarrassment yep. for the A-League. Uh, let's have a look at tennis. This is another embarrassing yeah. thing, I feel. Uh, and I'll clarify this. I think Ash Barty is one of our great sportsmen of all time, sports like people in general. But uh, she wins another Newcomb medal after only mm. playing three months of the year. Uh, and the Newcomb medal, for those who don't know, is the best tennis player in Australia, all right? How it was not given to Nick Kyrgios is beyond me and shows a complete disconnect and almost proves Nick's point about how TA is pretty much against him as an organisation. What do you make of this? I have to agree. Um, I know John Newcomb and I'm not saying that John Newcomb said this, but I I think he'd have final say on who gets his medal, knowing John. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think think he's been a big fan of Nick over the years. Um, Don't forget, Nick wouldn't play Davis Cup and Newcomb was our Davis Cup captain for many years and played it and won it and Mm -hmm. he believes in representing Australia. He's never liked the way that Nick has carried on. He's been quite outspoken about that. So 
does he want him to get his medal? I doubt it. Um, but Nick's come out and said they have no respect at all, and I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, is, and I think I think good I think on he him. Does like I, yeah. I, I think good on him for saying that because to be honest, I get it. It's it's your namesake on the medal, but I mean, if 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 we're gonna go like that, then Margaret Court would never give a medal to a lesbian. You know what I mean? So like, there's yep. kind of there's like there's a limit to this. This is this is supposed to be the medal for the best player in in the country. And he's hands down the best player. I love that Nick shared the stats. The thing mm. that Barty does have over him is obviously she won our first uh, gra- our Correct. first Australian Open since Court won it, which is huge, obviously for the sport. But she retired in March. It's like giving the Dally M Medal to Jake uh, to Tom Trebojevic after he gets injured three rounds in because he played pretty good at the beginning. And you know what I mean? Like it's Nick yeah. Kyrgios has had an amazing year. It's the biggest turnaround for Nick in his career. We know that TA has not been a big supporter of him. Over the many years, we know that there's a rift in that inside there mm. internally, but we also know that he's coached him. He's coached himself all the way through. He made the Wimbledon final. He's won, I think, two Grand Slams with Kokonakis in the doubles. He's been on ATP tours, winning doubles as well. He's our biggest sports player, our highest ranked male, uh, our highest ranked male tennis player as well. All the credentials are there for him to be the best. This is a political move or a move of distaste, which kind of. Ruins the credibility of your medal and also just proves that Nick was right in his attitude towards TA. I think it makes TA look stupid. I think it does. And he put the stats up uh, head-to-head against Barty tournaments last year or this year. It was 4-3 mm. to three to Nick. And uh, match wins overall, Nick won 61, Ash Barty 14. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, I mean, mm. this is another poor move by TA at the moment, which I'm still annoyed at for the handling of the Djokovic situation only two years ago. So, you know yeah. what I mean? The TA is in a weird spot with who's running the show right now because it seems like a popularity competition instead of trying to actually, you know, make or job. give credit to the great Australian tennis players. Anyway, we'll move forward to golf. Now, Live Golf was such a huge story over the last couple of years. Obviously, a huge rift there. Is, who's this new player that's coming into it? Ultra Golf Championship. Sounds a little bit like Live, doesn't it, Mark? <laughs> too. Uh, they've come out and said it's going to be a new style of franchise golf. This is by the PGA, Australian PGA. <laughs> Nine holes, team format, 10 city based franchises. Sounds a bit like Live. Mm-hmm. You have a team captain, sounds a bit like Live. <laughs> Different scoring, sounds a bit like Live, and played over four days. Whoa. Very similar. What, what a great idea this is. What's the money like, though? I bet you it's not like Live. <laughs> yeah, not like Live at all. <laughs> and so this is a move by PGA, obviously, to try and claw back uh, some players' interest and probably fans' interest, you'd imagine? Look, I think so, and I think they're just trying to – I don't know. It's just a silly move. They're just, they just—they would have pushed away from this sort of stuff for years, the PGA, and now they, they realise they have to because Liv's getting a lot of traction. It's a little bit too late, isn't it? They might as well just embrace it, bring it in and shake hands and make up and get on with it. Well, what's the big issue between the two of them at the moment? They don't really play tournaments at the same time. Is it just purely the ownership of PGA rankings and whatnot? Yeah, and I think that what Liv are trying to do is they're trying to say, why should the Americans own golf in general? Yeah, right. They do under the PGA, and this is like it's a world game. It's played everywhere, but the Americans seem to own it. They are right. It is a world game, and that's why the Saudis should own it, just like they own everything else. (laughs) Yeah, it's like like the oil. (laughs) Uh, Look, stay with us, because after a short break, we'll be chatting to cricket, AFL, rugby, and more. After the sport. 
The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need this summer is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. Big Bash season has kicked into gear. Melbourne versus Sydney Thunder and a duck adds to the Stars' woes. Well, if you look at the start of a season for the Big Bash, if you, if you made the analogy that it's like a fireworks going off to start the season, well, this was just like lighting a, a small candle, I reckon, because <laughs> it was a bit of a flop of a game. Um, the Melbourne Stars playing Sydney Thunder... Um, Melbourne Stars could only manage, and don't forget, they, they lost their, their key player... Um, with a broken leg at the start of the season. Um, mm-hmm. And they can only manage eight for 122. Uh, Gorinda Sander did pretty well, bowled, took two for 23. And then all of a sudden, um, they were struggling. They got their nine down, nine for 123. So it was a bit of a flop of the game. But Gorinda Sander, the tail ender with 20 not out at the end, got home. There were a couple of cracking catches, mate. There was a um, a substitute fielder called Brody Couch who took two unbelievable catches. A bit of a juggle, a bit like that um, Alvarez goal. It sort of hit his chest, his arm, nice. his leg, and he caught it. Um, but yeah, a bit of a flop and not a great start to the season. Stoinis got a duck and Joe Burns for the stars also tore his hamstring. So he won't probably play for the rest of the year. Now, like we're going to quickly mention this before I have a question for you, though. We'll have a look at the test, the first test against mm-hmm. South Africa. Your prediction was right. Scott Boland yep. is, uh, is going to be the man to replace Hazelwood, which is great. When you talk about lighting a candle to start the big bash, what's your thoughts with this summer of cricket that's coming in? It feels like the summer of cricket started in winter. Yeah. You know, Cricket Australia was adamant about playing so much cricket, which weirdly they were struggling to find opportunities for the women's. Remember yep. that? That's strange. Um, but they've, they've booked all of this cricket over these next six months, it feels like a year. Is there not like they didn't have the foresight to think, hey, this is probably going to negatively affect things like big bash because – Surely there's a sporting fatigue when it comes to cricket, right? Oh, mate, there's been fatigue. Cricket's been – I love the game, but it's been fatigue for four years. Um, <laughs> it has. It really has. Like Big Bash, when it started, it was, it was, it was one month in December. You pretty much it went for four weeks and you came home and you could watch it every night. It was fantastic. Then all of a sudden it, the competition gets pushed out to six, to eight, to, to nine weeks. It's like people are over it. And they're done really poorly. Like two – we used to have one test series a summer. They managed to put two test series on, but they started instead of starting in Brisbane, where they should be starting. This match um, starting on Saturday against South Africa that should have been the first test of the summer. Um, they're the better team, but no, they they put two tournaments on: the Western East two tests and three for South Africa. It's just too and much. And the World yeah, Cup. Just, there was a yeah. World Cup here. If anything, you should have done less cricket. I agree because there was a World yep. Cup. Like it seems like you're really ruining. We're talking about the A League ruining their opportunity there. I think cricket's done the same yep. thing. It's interesting your point about Big Bash. They should go back to the quick, mm. short Big Bash season because to sit there, this is another case of sports thinking they're too big for their yep. boots. You, you're not the NRL. You're not the AFL. Your fan base is not like mm-hmm. that. Like you need to be a spectacle, small tournament based competition because we've got the two big dogs. Yep. Then we've got like the A-leg underneath and the rugby underneath. There's no room for people in their lives to have this. You need to be a spectacle. And I think if anything, World Cups have shown that. You know what I mean? Like 
if you treat the Big Bash that way, like you said, every night it's on, you'll get the crowds flowing through because it's only on for this, like these two weeks or whatever. And I, I feel like they've really done their sport a bit of a disservice booking this much cricket because in my view, and I could be wrong, a majority of cricket viewers are casual viewers like myself. Well, mate, but you're dead right. And, and the thing is that there's only so much disposable income people have. And mm. people might be able to go to one or two big bashes a year. That was before the eight-time interest rate rise, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'd be very surprised as many people at all the cricket because they just can't afford to go. It's that they make it sort of cheap, you know, two hundred bucks for the family of four. But then you, you know, it costs your kids want some bloody hot chips and a hot dog Food and drinks. And, and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, you're three four hundred dollars plus a ba- babysitter if you've got a little kid at home. It's very, very expensive. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. They're going to have to dissect it, I think, after the summer when they look at how low I think a lot of their sales are going to be, yep. I reckon. Let's look at uh, AFL. Obviously, uh, the Hawks have been in an interesting scenario over the past few months. Weird that we still haven't heard much about this King's Council into the investigation to their uh, treatment of Indigenous players, but uh, they have been a change up top with the president uh, being removed and a new name leads the club. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Jeff Cadet is gone. Um, Andrew Gowers comes in after he ran a pretty sort of nasty campaign to get there. He was the mm. former Hawks football director uh, between 2013 and 15 when they won the, uh, the competition three times in a row. So he comes in well credentialed, mm. a fresh start, and um, yeah, they're moving away from from the old school. I suppose trying to distance themselves from any issues they've had in the past. Weird, weird time to want to take over the presidency of a club yeah. that's currently under a pretty big investigation. Like I don't think things are going to. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the AFL is doing with that investigation at the moment. I've I have a weird feeling that they're just trying to do a little bit of la la la. Everyone will forget yeah. it by the time the season starts. Um, but also in AFL as well, um, you might want to read this out. An interesting uh, text between two of the big footy feudy. <laughs> There's a lot of words I will say on air. This is not one of them. Uh, so Kane Corns, uh, former Crow, received a text from skipper Taylor Tex Walker uh, referring to him as a weak C. <laughs> um, okay, now, interesting. Yes, and so Taylor... So that that's, that C stands for cool guy, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, somewhat not. <laughs> um, but Taylor's confirmed that the text did come from his phone, but he said he didn't send the text. Oh, okay, mate. Oh, this is high school stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right, boys. I'll meet you yeah. on the Demountables. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, NRL, new Bulldogs coach is now opening up on the retirement bombshell that happened to this club. Well, Kem Seraldo goes to... He said they had the Mad Monday drinks. He shows up train to go to the ground and he walked in and then the current captain, um, uh, Josh Jackson, is there. He said doing 300 kilo hip thrusts in the gym. He thought, gee whiz, he's training already. <laughs> um, he's been there for 11 seasons. And then uh, Josh Jackson walked over to him and said, mate, I'm going to retire. I just my body's not not yeah. right anymore. He's gone. Okay, it's a big first day on the job. Yeah, yeah, a, a big mm. uh, big change for them. I mean, look, the Bulldogs have had that many people. It's probably a benefit for them to be able to have another name leave the club, seeing as they they still have like four roster spots to fill at the moment. What I find year. amusing is that Josh Jackson has decided he's going to retire. He goes to training and he's doing three hundred kilo hip thrust. So, so so what sort of jobs are you going to go into now? Well, no, he's probably like oh, usually, I need to be able to do three fifty in order to do the season. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm behind. I'm behind the eight ball. Uh, and uh, let's uh, look at rugby now. A uh, bit of a rule change coming to New Zealand that I'm interested to see if it might happen here in Australia. The tackle height. Mm, so they're saying now, and this is going to come into effect for, in all club football and first 11 rugby in New Zealand, is that you can 
obviously the rules are you can always never tackle above the shoulders. Well, it's now below the belly. Okay. So it depends, mate. If you're a big fat bloke, you've got to go lower, I suppose, do you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to really – you're not going to be able to slow down a lot of those guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, think it's going to, I mean, they do say take out the legs and they can't go anywhere, but uh, I don't know how that's going to work with the big <laughs> the big New Zealand rugby players <laughs> that are right. out there. If you take them in these bootlaces. Yeah. Uh, and, look, this is a quick one on the Wallabies. Uh, look, we've had ex-players now saying it's a no-brainer for Eddie Jones to return to the Wallabies to help us head to the World Cup. What are your thoughts? Has anyone asked Dave Rennie what he thinks? He's the current current coach. Um, I don't know whether they get on or not, but that's like putting the the chicken and the the fox in the hen house, isn't it? Getting Eddie Jones back in there. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe undermining your left, right and centre. I wouldn't do it. And I I think Eddie does have credentials, but, yeah, I think Eddie Jones is pretty – but do you Pretty think cunning. Rennie? Do you think Rennie can still be the coach? We have been we have been awful. We are yeah. not a good team. We are not a good team at all. That to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Australia doesn't make it out of the pools at the next World Cup. Yeah, it's it's look, it's in, they're in a really bad place, rugby union. But uh, we well, yeah, watch your space. Eddie's he's obviously got support from the chairman mm. of of uh, rugby Australia. I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, if Australia doesn't make it out of the pool stages in the World Cup next year, goodbye rugby. Mm. All right, before we go, Shado, uh, you've got another great war story for us. Uh, an eye yeah. for an eye, I believe. Well, yeah, a very good mate of mine I grew up with, a guy called Kerry Penfold, was a, a first-grade batsman, um, but he fell on a knife when he was a, a, a three-year-old kid, lost his eye. Um, he was a left-handed batsman, so he, his glass eye was the eye at the, uh, the front of his face, so he had to try and line the ball up with the bridge of his nose. He got seven first-grade hundreds, 100 against McGrath. And, but the problem with Kerry, we would go out trying to pick up girls when we were 18, and he would drop his glass eye on his beer when he went to the tour to keep it, oh. keep it, on, to keep it on his beer. Oh, mate, that just, is gross. Yuck. Yeah, let's just say our <laughs> early dating success was, wasn't great. <laughs> well, that's it for Afternoon Sport today. So make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. And before we go, a big thank you to our sponsors. Fantastic sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. And, of course, our producer, Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts, like the Building Resilience podcast. Noel Allnup, the CEO of Securo, explores the minds of world-class performers in order to deconstruct their life tools and ethos that can help us create growth and optimise business. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com. Afternoon sport.